0: you could stand that half cut and rep better than these guys looks smart, him, and it's And we are back with another episode of From the Raptors. Sam and I are here recording on a Friday before the Celtics take on the Clippers, and we have guest Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston. How you doing today, Chris? What's
1: up, y'all? I'm I'm still marveling. I before you hit record, I I put you on the spot and I said you have a Rob Williams jersey in the background there,
0: and I'm now fascinated. I
2: do. I do not-
1: where, where do you get a Rob Williams jersey?
0: All right. Well, the, the Celtics fan of me will say you, you know, get it, you know, customized on the Celtics.com slash shop, but uh, I got it from China and dhgate.com because <laughs> I am broke. So that that that's the honest answer for you. DH dot I believe. Oh, yeah, know.
1: Okay. I've, I've heard of them. I've, no, I've yeah. A lot. Of them. I think I, when back when Reddit people were looking for for jerseys, I see that pop up all the time. So, uh, well, look, yeah. I mean, any any way you can get a time lord jersey, I'm all for it. Exactly, exactly. It was like twenty bucks
0: too. So it, it, it's pretty... I might have won one now. Like I'm just exactly <laughs> pretty good value. You're... so uh, but yeah, Celtics. On a West Coast trip at the moment, they just took on the Golden State Warriors, got a win. Uh, unfortunately, weren't able to bring it home against the Sacramento Kings. And I wanted to ask you about that because it, it seemed like they just kept letting the Kings back into it. Like they had a good grasp on the game. Brad Stevens mentioned after the game that, you know, they, they played hard, but they weren't able to come away with it. What did you see as the biggest issue in that game?
1: Um, I thought their fourth quarter defense was pretty bad. And that's sort of unfortunately been a theme a little bit for them in terms of uh, not being able to sort of, close out games lately at the start of the year they were winning a lot of close games and so that's concerning to me you know and like look they didn't have everybody they didn't have Kemba they didn't have Marcus Smart they didn't have Peyton Pritchard they were thin on ball handlers all that being said you know all due respect to the Kings it's the Kings and they're a young team with some nice pieces but that's a game you should win uh so they're just going to get a little bit better in those situations and I would have liked to see the younger guys sort of grasp that moment but um it didn't happen and so the Celtics are Sort of, they got to figure out how to just bring that defensive intensity that we've seen in years past in the fourth
2: quarter. Yeah, they don't have it at all. They've lost numerous games this season because of the fourth quarter defense. And the most frustrating part about that loss is that they actually figured it out on offense and they were getting the scores they needed. They just couldn't couldn't buy a stop. They literally, the only stop they got was the De'Aaron Fox three that didn't hit the rim with 10 seconds left. Mm -hmm. And that was like pretty lucky, to be honest, because if that hits the rim, they don't get the stop.
1: Yeah. And and again, like, I mean, even Tatum gets the three point look, you know, off the Grant William missed free throw. It's just it's just a little bit maddening that there are instances where they shouldn't put themselves in a position to have to be scrambling to win that game. You know, you got to be able to lean on your defense. Once they get to the playoffs, it's going to be so much more difficult. The opponents are so much better. Um, I just want to see them tighten up there. And I think they will. I think we've seen glimpses of it, even against the Lakers. That defense look really good. Um, they're just going to
0: be a little bit crisper and a little bit healthier. Yeah. Yeah, that'd that be a blessing for sure. But uh, all season long, you know, the stats say you can see with the eye test, the Celtics in the fourth quarter have just not been the same team that we're so used to seeing, obviously. Isaiah Thomas even going back that far. And last season in the playoffs, it was the whole meme where, oh, third quarter Celtics, here they are again blowing blow another lead. <laughs> but this year, they're a decent team in the third, and then just in the fourth, they crumble. And Sam, you mentioned that, you know, They figured it out on offense, but the defense wasn't there. And it's always one or the other. So what do you think the issue is in the fourth this year? Is it just a mentality thing or what's going on? So, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I think good teams
1: sort of turn it up a notch at that point. And so I think it's fair to say it's a little bit mental. I will give them the benefit of the doubt and say there's been so much lineup uncertainty that maybe they don't know, you know, okay, who's your five at the end of the game? And are they healthy enough to be out there? a lot easier to dig in when you have Marcus Smart out there, when you know Tristan Thompson can be in that situation. thought it was odd that Brad didn't go back to Tristan considering how well he played in that situation. So I think they're just still figuring that out, uh, and that will come. You'll know who your five are at the end of games, whether that's Tice, maybe they go offense, defense, I don't know. You know, like uh, Maybe it, it changes because whatever they do with this traded player exception, and is there a player that you want on the floor in that situation? So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but you know, you look at it consistently, the best teams in the league are the ones that know how to tighten up in that moment. And right now, you know, as good as the Celtics were at the start of the year, and some of that was luck, like, just think back and Tatum Banking in the three against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Like, they, it wasn't like they were just, like, taking it to another level at times mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Sometimes you got a good bounce, but I do think they'll get there. It's just going to take some time. Mm-hmm.
2: It's funny you mentioned the Milwaukee game. Like, they were up 17 points at the beginning of that fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. So, that we, we should have seen it from square one that it might be an issue.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. it's just, What's
2: next, Jack? What you got? It's maddening.
0: It's maddening. I know, Chris, you brought up you know, Tristan Thompson having a great stretch right now. Obviously, he had his struggles midseason, and everyone thought, okay, now it's Tice's turn. It's just kind of flipping uh, back and forth between those two who he thinks are going to be the better center. What do you see... Brad Stevens going with moving forward is it gonna be that same flip-flop based on matchup or, or what do you think the Celtics should do about that center position so besides play
1: time Lloyd Moore um I do think that uh Tice has good chemistry with that first group and you can see the value of being around that group last year I thought as soon as Kemba came back all of a sudden he's like throwing lobs to Tice and he just looked really comfortable and a really good fit so I think he's got the slight edge at least for now but like this has been a good trip for Tristan. We're starting to see a little bit more of him being aggressive on the offensive end, bullying around the basket. Um, You know, I've been critical of his defense because the numbers have been terrible this year. Uh, You know, there are instances where he's given up points and you're just like, you know, it was a good contest. I'm trying to think of, you know, who who was it? DeRozan down in San Antonio when he hit that, that game winner over him. Like, Thompson played defense well there and forced him into a tough shot. Drew Rosen just made a good a, a good pull-up. But um, I do think he needs to to tighten up a little bit in terms of, you know, you're going to ask him to defend Giannis and Embiid. And, and can you trust Tristan Thompson in those situations? He's never been an exactly an Embiid stopper or anything like that. But he does have to give you that Ennis Cantor-like physicality, which is crazy to say because Ennis' calling heart certainly wasn't defense. But, um, you know— like, look, that's what they're going to need in that situation. Whoever is able to do that most consistently will get the time. But I do think Tice has good chemistry right now with that group. And so I like him in that, that starting lineup. Uh, it should motivate Tristan to, to, to be there and want to be the guy that they lean on at the end of games. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you bring up... Bring up Cantor. Cantor had a game last night. I mean, I don't mean to bring up a sore <laughs> subject. Like $5 million a year, you could have had him back for. And now you're thinking, well, you know, uh, it's easy to 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 uh, to second guess the decisions in the aftermath. But I mean, selfishly, I like Dennis and, you know, got to do the podcast with him and all that. And he was, uh, uh, I, but, you know, I think the Celtics were hopeful that they needed to create more time for Robert Williams. I think they thought they'd be able to lean a lot heavier on Grant Williams at the start of this year and he's been a little bit up and down so uh it's just coming back to it you know you gotta you, you i hope those guys learn because of the minutes they're getting but tristan was brought in to be that guy and they paid big money to to get him here so uh he's really got to own it and i think uh he's starting to move in a in a, in a better direction
2: mm-hmm. yeah I, I was starting to get worried he was going to fall into the canter role where they did bring him in and then like Brad was like, well, this guy just kind of doesn't fit, so we're just going to play the guys we have, which had been fine because Tice has been balling out. It's like he gets better every single year. Like Everyone always expects him to fall out of the rotation. He's like, no, I'm still here, man. I'm going to (laughs) start drilling threes now every time I shoot, which has been great. Um, And Robert Williams, like we've talked about already, has been a monster. And I think he hasn't been playing a lot lately, just after COVID, because they're trying to get him back up to speed still, maybe. Uh, I do hope they give him more minutes though he's been excellent and he's a difference maker too he brings energy
0: yeah for sure every time rob checks into the game it's kind of like you know he jumps over the entire team to get the rebound he hustles it's just it's wild i don't get it and it does frustrate me when brad stevens doesn't play him as much but i guess what sam you said makes sense maybe it is that covid maybe you're trying to get him back fully healthy but hopefully we'll see him some point soon um Something else I wanted to bring up. I know we kind of touched on the topic of consistency on offensive defense this season, and it's just, it's just not there at all. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Like, fourth quarter, you know, you fall apart. Third quarter, you're fine. First quarter, you're good. Second quarter, it's just this complete just – inconsistency that the Celtics has this year and I think I asked you a similar thing with the fourth quarter but why why is it that they decide that okay when Tatum's in the lineup this game we'll play better but when he's out we'll play bad or 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 when Tatum's out of the lineup we'll play better this game and when he's in we'll play bad like I I don't get that mentality like what's wrong yeah so I think it honestly comes down
1: to like they're really good with Jason Tatum and they're really bad without Jason Tatum (laughs) and as good as Jalen Brown has been uh the numbers have sort of borne out over the past couple years that it's Tatum that that decides like how good this team's going to be. And some of that is just how much attention he draws. Some of that is, you know, he's underrated defensively because of of his length and how much he means to that side of the basketball. Uh, but yeah, the team's definitely has trouble keeping itself afloat when Tatum is either, you know, out during that COVID stretch or just on the bench for uh, those few minute breaks. So that I, I think getting Kemba back now and, I think Kemba's still in a weird spot because he's not playing his normal minutes. There's like an extra probably six minutes and a half where he's, you know, sitting on the bench or an extra three minutes per half. And so maybe that would help manage a stretch. I think he's got to be super aggressive when he's in there, especially when Tatum or Brown are not in there. Although, you know, I think they'll always have like one or two of those guys on the court. Um, You know, having those guys healthy and being able to be out there will eliminate some of the lulls and the inconsistencies. Uh, But they're still, they're still trying to figure that out. And um, you know, part of me says, well, you know, Brad, I wish you just pick your rotation and go with it. On the other hand, like I sort of thought a lot of this early part of the season would be earmarked for player development. And I'm the one screaming at my TV, like, why isn't Aaron Newsmith playing more? Because I just <laughs> want to see if they can yeah. get more out of him and like, let him learn on the fly. Like how else are these guys going to develop? I think that's part of the problem that Rob has had. And now some of that's injuries, but you know, unless you're getting consistent time, you're not going to develop. And we're left in these glimpses and we're saying, okay, you know, as soon as he makes his first defensive mistake, Brad's quick to pull him out. It's the perils of a championship caliber team, but uh, you know, I'm okay with inconsistency as long as it's at the benefit of development. I don't think you've
2: accomplished either at times this season. Yeah. I think, I think Brad's always in the lab per se uh, at the beginning of the season. He loves experimenting with his lineups. But he has a tough task, especially with the centers and Robert Williams. You've got three solid centers when Thompson's playing well, and you have to figure out how to balance those guys. And it is tough because at least uh, Thompson and Time Lord, they've got similar play styles. Tice, you can at least have him stretch the floor a little bit. But like you can't have Thompson and Time Lord on the floor at the same time. You're just going to have no spacing. And then as far as um, you know, rotating Kemba back in the lineup, I think he's struggling with that too because – they're trying to figure out. All right, well, where's Kemba's role going to be? He's so used to being number one that he has to learn how to be number two or number three. Sometimes he might be struggling with that. And one theory I have about Kemba's struggles is like we've noticed like he'll come out hot sometimes. Like he'll come out and have a great first half. And he he falls off. I think he's still getting you know his footing back, but he might be getting fatigued at the end of the game. Maybe why he's not performing well. What do you think about that, Chris? What is your theory about Kemba? Yeah, you know, I,
1: I think, you know, he came back and we all sort of said, oh, look, he looks like the old Kemba. He's got his explosion. I think there's a little bit of extra adrenaline going in that situation, and he's probably a little hyped up to be out there. And then he went into that little bit of a funk where three-point shot to fight him, and I just think that's natural. Like, you know, guys come back, they look really good, then all of a sudden they sort of regress. And I just think he's he's trying to find that balance. I think it goes back to the minutes, too. You know, he was having some odd rotations where – you know, play the first six minutes, and then he's out till maybe the last few minutes of the second quarter. You know, or or, or would come back in the early second quarter, but wouldn't play at the end. And so, it, it's just not as consistent. I think guys like you know being on a pattern, knowing when they're going in and how to conserve their energy in those moments, or the lull there at the start where like they were they were clearly saving him for crunch time, but you had to get there, and it's like it felt like you know, maybe it was got a little a little cold in that instance. So I hope some of that is mitigated when you're on a normal schedule. I don't know when that will quite be like, you know, he's closer to 28, 30 minutes now. And you know, I don't expect It's not like he played a ton of minutes last year. I think 32 was probably about where he topped out. Um, so I think that would be the case. And, you know, again, it's just kind of getting comfortable re- remembering where you can be aggressive. I think when they first came back, a lot of the guys were like, Hey, Kemba, go be you. And Kemba was sort of like, well, now I've got to learn how to defer to Jason and Jalen. So they're just a fi- figuring that out. Uh, but I did think they'd find that out west. I thought that this trip would be when they kind of all click. That's why, you know, Kemba's sitting out that second night of a back to back. Now my eyes turn to tonight, you know, where, okay, against a really good opponent, and hopefully, Jay, you know, we're sitting here waiting to find out if Jalen's going to be out there with this sore left knee. Um, you know, is this the time where you can figure it out? And if Jalen's not out there, that's when you, you especially
0: need super aggressive Kemba to, to come back. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, Kings the other night, Clippers tonight. And Sam, what do you always say about the Celtics and what they do against competition? Oh, they, they
2: play the level of their competition, regardless mm-hmm. if it's good or bad. Like tonight, if Jalen Brown is going to play, like you're going to see an incredible game, probably. Whether they win or lose, it might be one of those game of the year type games they had last year against the Clippers. Yeah. Even if the Clippers couldn't, neither of the teams could make the finals, huh? That would have been a fire series for finals, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, like I, I think they always play a good game against the Clippers. I think they have, they match up well with them and the Clippers, you know, vice versa. Kawhi and Paul George will guard wow. the Jays. Um, it's an exciting matchup and I hope Jalen's healthy. I'm sick of seeing guys be out on the sideline. And also I hope Peyton Pritchard's back.
0: Mm-hmm. That would be a nice development. What do you think the keys are tonight against the Clips, do you? And and also, second to that, Chris, why do they play to the level of their competition? You'll see a close (laughs) game against the Kings and then the Clippers the next night. What's the deal with that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think think that's probably a, a, a trap that a lot of good teams fall into. You know, I guess the best teams don't, right? Like that they bring the same consistency every night. But I just think in general... Uh, the Celtics you know like anybody they get hyped up for a better opponent you look at the Clippers record and it's easier to get hyped up for them than it is to say uh against a 500 uh, or sub 500 Kings team which isn't unfair because De'Aaron Fox is playing out of control Halliburton looks awesome like you know you got to find a way to to bring that energy every night but I agree I think I think they'll play well tonight you know every time I think about the West Coast trip they always struggle in Sacramento they always struggle in Phoenix like it, it really does come down to they don't bring the same level of intensity as they do against the Lakers, or the Clippers. Play the Jazz pretty well. Don't feel like they play well in Portland ever. But so you know, it, it's uh, it, I don't know. Those they maybe it's just mental thing like you guys said on on that trip where they've got to sort of ratchet it up, but. You know, just in general I think they got to look at their record and you know Jalen got asked about it the other night you know what what do you, you're at 11 and 9 how do you feel about that and he's like yeah we're we're 11 and 9 you know they don't feel great about that uh they started really well they won a lot of close games sort of padded that record a little bit and now you know I think they've lost what if i can do the math they've lost 5 of 7 one of 6 of so 6 of 8 they've lost you know it's, it's not uh, great. They, yeah, no, or six and a half. Yeah, it's just so they got to be better. They have, they have even with injuries and with all they're going through, they, they they're better than than the record indicates over the the past few weeks. And yet, you know, there's not a lot of wins over good
0: teams, so they've got to they've got to turn it up mm-hmm. for sure. And, and like you said, the injuries don't help for sure. You know, mm-hmm. Peyton Pritchard being out for so long is, I think, a really underrated aspect because he was bringing so much to as a rookie. Yeah. And now Marcus Smart's out with that injury, so that. Leaves a lot of the point guard minutes to our, our main man Jeff Teague, uh, or Demarco zero zero fifty five <laughs> whatever you know whatever you want to call it. But before we talk about Jeff Teague, like, th- that can't be Jeff Teague, right? That's just a fan trying to like make a joke. Like it you know, better I mean. not be. Like if someone's
1: created a burner that was so obviously like tied to <laughs> your player, like. You know, I, I I made this joke yesterday. We were talking about it on our podcast, and I said, you know, if I was making a burner, I would just put my middle name and like TV guy, NBC. Like I don't, you know, like it's just a little too obvious, too many identifiers in there. Uh, but what I love is that the person really leaned into the idea of of like trying to spoof it in terms of saying someone's like, well, if you want to prove you're not Jeff Teague, just tweet during the game. And he's like, yo, man, I ten bar. I don't, I can't, I can't be on my phone at night. And I'm thinking, well, like bars are shut down. I don't know where you're, you're slinging bar right now, yeah. but. Uh, so, uh, uh, I do like that. Uh, I do like that there's someone that's so big of a Jeff Teague fan that they're willing to really dig in and go to bat for a guy that's shooting under 30% on all two point shots. Mm. So, Mm. um, you know, look, find yourself someone in your life who, who loves you as much as this guy pretending to be, (laughs) pretending to be Jeff Teague's
0: burner. Oh man. It's, it's he's got like 2000 followers now too. Like he's he's growing up because of, yeah, yeah. He's got, uh, I need to. I need to double I'm check the statistics, but
2: yeah, I mean, me <laughs> and Jack have been at Twitter for a couple of years now. I mean, we got like a little over a thousand yeah. of these. He
0: follows, <laughs> follows eleven people, and he has twenty one hundred and sixty followers oh, on Twitter. That's amazing! He might have more followers than Jeff Teague at this point. <laughs> um, oh my god! Um, I
2: almost feel bad for Jeff Teague because, like, he wasn't bad at the beginning of the season. He just <laughs> fell off a cliff. I hope he's not having real confidence issues because, like, that does suck. Like, mental stuff sucks, especially like you gotta you gotta get. It's like the yips, like he's missing like decent shots. It's not like he's like taking terrible shots all the time. And now they're becoming bad shots for all the fans watching. Cause they're like, what are you doing, man? Just like go sit on the bench and have somebody else play your minutes, please. Yeah. It is crazy. Like I, I, you know, he was one of the pleasant surprises throughout the preseason, even those
1: early games. He had a couple of big nights where he popped off for, for big guys. against he, Milwaukee. Yeah. His three point shot. I like, I did not expect him to come in and shoot over 40%. I think he's still there mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, but you know, every other shot layups, floaters, like pull-ups, like nothing has fallen. And I'm the same way. Like I sort of thought coming in, there was a chance that it would go rough. Cause guy who used to rely on his speed and quick first step. And now he's Older and doesn't have quite have that, and you know didn't always have it in Minnesota and Atlanta. So I'm not surprised that it's happening, but he was just so good at the start. Uh, the the thing is, just like you said, I almost feel bad for Jeff T because the on off splits are still really really solid. And if anybody else was doing that, we'd be like, wow, you know, Grant Williams is really bringing it and really impacting winning. And with Jeff T, we're like, he's gonna he's gonna create a burner account to defend himself <laughs> because. Uh, Celtics fans are so vehemently want
0: to see someone else in that role? I remember there was a fast break layup opportunity Jeff Teague got. <laughs> all I saw on Twitter was there's no shot he makes this. <laughs> it was just I was like, oh man. Yeah,
2: it was in the Lakers Working game back. and like I yeah. immediately went on Twitter. I see like five, six tweets like, oh, I'm so surprised he made that layup. Literally no one within like 20 feet of him. <laughs> oh, I, I feel brutal. like he's missing all these like inside shots. So he has like no arc on his shot and it's just rimming wow. out every single time. He needs to just put a little bit more arc on it might fall for him pro tip for me to an nba player
1: <laughs> i mean i i always feel bad like you know probably not my job to give the guy's advice but yeah i like i feel like i could sit jeff T down and be like you know that floater needs a little bit more bounce on it like get it get it a little <laughs> higher up in the air and uh you know tremont waters like i'm not an nba player but you know maybe slow down on the 35 footers uh you know just 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 some life
0: tips from a guy who has to watch all this basketball. Uh, that's what i was gonna ask you that next it's like uh, I'm not, like, I, I understand the idea of the, try to get yourself hot, but what was, what was Tremont Waters doing that game? <laughs> like, just come on, man. Like, it was a- crazy. After you missed your first three, like, he's a good passer. Just, like, get oh, those God. assists and Like, w- what was going on? Was he just trying to get himself hot and prove to Brad that he can play? What? So I think there's a lot of
1: freedom in the G League, and, uh, you know, sometimes you just bring that irrational confidence onto the court. Like, the kid does not lack for uh, confidence, and, like, Great that's spin. a good thing. You yeah. know, like you, you probably want your young players to operate like that, but, um, you know, spare me the Trey young logo pull-ups and just you know run a pick and roll and, and find a role, man, and throw it up to, to time Lord or whatever. You know, every time I sit there and I go Oh, they can't play this guy. Then he makes that nice little baseline pass whip around to, to get the dunk. And I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's what I, w- what we want out of Tremont. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just a balance for him. And, and, uh, you know, like, look, I, I feel I feel, if I was sitting there and I only got an opportunity once every four games and I needed three guys ahead of me on the depth chart to be injured to play <laughs> minutes, I'd, I'd probably be gunning a little bit, too. But um, it's it's too bad because I think he like you said, he's dribbling, he's passing, like he's got a lot of good things about his game. But if he's ever going to stick at this level, you know, it's going to be hard because defensively. We know the situation with every undersized guard in the league. You know it, it's tough on them. You gotta you gotta make up for it other ways and steals and stuff like that. Uh, and we're gonna fixate on the shots. It's too bad because you know if if you just kind of step back and let that other stuff speak for itself, you know maybe we wouldn't we wouldn't obsess so much about bad choices on jump shots.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's tough, and you know sticking with the point guard rotation. I feel like a lot of fans were calling for Carson Edwards to get some of those Jeff T minutes, and then he kind of fell out of the rotation again in that Kings game. But, I mean, he was looking solid before that. He made, a, he made a shot. I forget what game it was. Maybe it was Golden State. Made a shot. He was driving hard to the paint. You know, he dumped on James Harden in the bubble last year, so got to give him something, right? But you know what's
2: rough for Carson Edwards when, like, we're talking about him playing good? You're like, yeah, like, he made a shot. Like, a <laughs> yeah, okay, single not... shot. That was not the point, I was... No, but that, I know he, tried, he came out and drilled a shot, and everyone was like, "Oh man, like he yeah. might go for thirty today." You know, like <laughs> anytime that strong. first shot goes in, Mike Gorman and Scow always say it on the broadcast, "Like mm-hmm. oh, well, he's a different player when he makes that shot," and that's it's true. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't really pan out. Yeah. No, not not that Sacramento game. You know, same deal. Like there's a reason he's still on the
1: roster, right? Like shooting is so valuable in the NBA that. You're going to give a guy a chance, every chance possible, to to sort of find it. And I, every time I look at those Purdue tapes, I'm like, geez, like, mm. he was a killer. And can he ever find that again? And, you know, I don't know. Like, that's tough for a young guy when you're playing spot minutes. And got in there early against San Antonio, both him and Neesmith. I was like, oh, wow, here we go. Brad's going to lean on these young guys, figure out what he's got. And then they had to go to that gimmicky zone. And so all of a sudden it was like mm. more like Grant and Shemmy out there in the second half. And so – you know, uh, unfortunately, that's sort of the, the the hand they've been dealt, and they've got to wait for those opportunities. Uh, I'm surprised it hasn't. Uh, you know, I guess I'm not surprised it hasn't clicked cause it, because of the lack of minutes. But you know, I'd like to see him get an opportunity. I think one of the frustrating things for Celtics fans is going to be if they make a move here and they send out you know Carson or Neesmith or whatever. Um, you know, if those guys start lighting it up for the Kings, you're going to be like, well, why don't they do that here? And it might just come down to opportunity mm-hmm.
2: yeah well carson edwards like he needs to be on a bad team he really does because he'll have more of a green light not that he green. doesn't have one per se here because i know brad really likes guys to shoot but i mean he's got some killer players around him that he shouldn't be taking shots from so if he's on like the pistons and he's able to take a bunch of shots and that'll be good for his career but you mentioned the kings with a trade i know you wrote a piece on harrison barnes the other day you want to talk about harrison barnes a bit
1: yeah so uh, you know. I- going into this probably like when we first started looking at traded player options uh, a couple of months ago, he was a guy we, I think I lumped in there, but I, th- I think my focus was more on like Aaron Gordon, um, you know, lot, anybody from the magic roster, cause they just seemed ripe for an implosion. So Terrence Ross, Fournier, like Vucevic, like who could you get, even though it's never worked down there. And that should probably be a red flag to begin with. But um, you know, Harrison Barnes obviously on this trip has come into focus a little bit more Uh, In part because he's having a great year and maybe his most efficient season uh, of his career in terms of shooting over 50 percent from the floor and over 40 percent from the three. Um, You know, he's sort of ever since being the third or fourth option on on those Golden State teams, he's got the big money and was supposed to be more of a focal point in Dallas and Sacramento. But, you know, I think he's ideal for the Celtics because he's someone who would embrace that situation here where, you know, for all that went wrong with Gordon Hayward's situation. Like Gordon clearly wanted to be a bigger player. I don't know if everybody wants more shots and to be a focal point, but I think Harrison Barnes understands his role at age 28 and and where he is in the league. And uh I think he could slide in pretty seamlessly here. So uh Celtics with that $28.5 million dollar trade exception could absorb his $22 million salary. Uh it starts to descend after this season, so it makes it a little bit easier. To absorb that, and he's here for a prolonged stretch alongside your core. Uh, I just think there's a lot that works. Like they, they clearly need a a, 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 another wing slash four who can shoot, and he just checks all those boxes. So um, it comes down to whether the Kings are willing to move, right? Like you know, they're a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since 2006. They're on the cusp a couple years ago, ironically when the Celtics had the Kings pick and. (laughs) Now, I think, you know, it just comes down to, does ownership tell Monty McNair, like, okay, we're going for it. We want to be the eighth or ninth seed with the play-in now. Um, And if so, maybe they don't want to move a Harrison Barnes. But I think if they're longer thinking, they're like, well, wait, De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, Heald, if if you think he's long for there. You know, there's a really intriguing young core there that could be something. And you would give them the ability to clear max cap space for the summer, um, let them add a player whatever it would be. um. So I just think they have to be intrigued by
0: that. a mm-hmm. couple of uh, years of drafting there for the Celtics too. You know, the Kings were good. Then the Grizzlies are magically good with John Moray at those, those two picks. just That was
2: so annoying, by the way, <laughs> like uh-huh. if you think about, I remember like before the, the, the Kings picked it up that season. Like people were talking about like the Celtics could like get a top two pick. Yeah. Like, that, that was the Zion draft. And everybody was like, dude, like Zion could realistically end up in the, with the Celtics. If Imagine the Kings John don't Marantz. play well or John ja. in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Like we, one thing we talked about a lot is like, you know, Kemba's getting old and you know, especially he hasn't been on fire this season. People are like, well, who's going to be the next point guard? Your answer would be right there. It would be John Morant, rookie of the year, probably an all star this year. Unbelievable athletic player. Like, come on, man. Like it's so annoying (laughs) when teams do that. Then the Grizzlies go ahead and do it again. Like Then just be bad, please. Like the Nets, (laughs) the Nets went along with it, right? They were like, you know what? We're going to be bad because that's what we're supposed to do. (laughs) Uh, This is what this is what happens when teams are have sacrificed a draft pick. You know,
1: I'm trying to think like this year. So Dallas doesn't have the draft pick this year, right? Based based on Porzingis, they have no reason to like tank. So if like you know, if they just for whatever reason they're not competitive in the West, and they have had their struggles more because of COVID and all that, but. You know, their team, that's definitely not going to tank because there's no incentive. So, you know, that year, instead of situations where the Kings or Grizzlies might have downshifted, they're like, we're going for it. And that just changes right. everything. So, uh, yeah, poor Celtics. Uh, hopefully Romeo and, and Neesmith develop into, into contributors. But yeah. when you look at what went ahead of them in those drafts, even just a couple spots ahead of them mm-hmm. in that draft, hero,
2: uh,
0: it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, uh, Sam, a noted Tyler Hero hater too.
2: I would probably love him if he was here, but I think he's just like he's too much, man. He's over the top, and like uh, he he played too good too. Like grouse, he overplayed uh, against the Celtics, and now he's not playing well, and that stuff annoys me too. He's like he's like Middleton, like Middleton, like just goes off for no reason. Like, but on. so why
1: is everyone going off against the Celtics though? That that I feel
2: finish. like that happens all the time.
0: Fournier, yeah. Ish Smith, you
2: know, Karis Levert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you were at that game, right? Sam the Karis LeVert, fifty yeah, the bar. The Karis LeVert
2: game. Oh my god, he had like fifty points. <laughs> that was awful. It was a school trip, and like I see, like I go to the uh, I go to URI, and I'm from Warwick, which is like closer to Boston than Kingston. So like I had to drive past my hometown to get back to campus to drive back to my hometown, and it was just a bummer. Like I was like, I really wasted <laughs> my night. Like I went all the way there. And like I convinced my friend Tyler to go. I was like, "Yeah, like you know, let's go." Like Kyrie didn't play in the first game. He's he's probably gonna play in this one. We'll get to you know rain down. It do- doesn't even show up. Color me shocked, man. But that that was that was a tough night. <laughs> almost uh, almost asked the bus driver for uh, like a drag of a cigarette. That's how <laughs> down bad we were that day. <laughs>
0: Oh, brutal, absolutely brutal scenes. John Morant in a Celtics jersey. That's gonna be a thumbnail for this episode, by the way. That's got to be a clickbait, some some sort of clickbait right there. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Chris isn't clickbait enough for you, Jack? Hey, hey, hey man, come on. You gotta you gotta get the clicks anywhere you can get them. Uh, <laughs> uh, circling back around, you know, uh, Danny Ainge in recent days has said you know he wants that shooting with size. With that TP obviously uh, expires in a while, but the trade deadline's the day everyone is eyeing to where Danny's going to add that player. And, you know, you mentioned Harrison Barnes, you wrote about it. That is shooting with size right there. Uh, You brought up Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic. Are there any other names you can think of just to throw out there? Yeah, it's funny. I like every time they play an opponent, I sort of go through their
1: roster and there's like no one on the Clippers. I haven't looked ahead to Phoenix and, and Utah yet. You know, again, it has to be a team that's probably gonna fall out of contention. And one of the hard parts for Danny Age is gonna be I don't think a lot of teams are gonna be like look up by mid-March and think they're out of it. You know, like if you're the Kings right now, you're thinking we're a couple of wins away from being a the the eighth, seventh seed in the in the Western conference. And again, maybe they're cool with that. Uh maybe that makes teams a little bit less Uh, willing to make moves. Now the magic, you know, no faults, no uh, Jonathan Isaacs, like just give up. Like how many years do you (laughs) want to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, I just can't imagine that does anything for you. Uh, They're in a tough spot because now Aaron Gordon sidelined. And I don't think that should deter anybody from, being willing to take a floater on him, but it does probably diminish his value. So, you know, it's just, that's all plays into this is like how willing are teams? You need, you know, I'm, I'm not letting Danny Ainge off the hook because I don't want another year where we're sitting here and he says, well, you know, we were close to a deal, but we couldn't find one. Well, I don't want to hear that. Like you've got that exception. It's going to be a lot difficult, more difficult to make the move in the offseason once Tatum's extension kicks in. Just make a move, you know, go get it and don't let it be JJ Redick. So, oh. but <laughs> like, there are other guys out there that um can help them you know it's just it, it feels like it has to be the right circumstance and so like the knicks or, like i'm trying to think of, and, like even the knicks are, are are playing above what i thought they would be so it's just hard to find teams that make sense um i think we'll look up in probably the first or second week of march here and say okay who's really out of it like once that first half of the season's over everyone's going on their little all-star break you know who is out of it and who can you really get somebody from and then maybe the the, the pieces that are out there become more into focus, but magic and Kings seem to be the sweet spots. Chicago, maybe, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I don't know what they're going to do with Lori and all that, but that one, that one seems more difficult
0: yeah, I, I know a name, our friend Adam Taylor from uh Celtics blog brought up with Thad young on the Bulls, you know. Maybe, maybe that's an idea. It's just weird. Don't don't hate it, but
1: don't love it. Uh he always another guy that always seems to play well against the Celtics. Um that <laughs> you know, seen him the other night and uh you know, he just always has those moments. He's another team USA guy. I don't think mm-hmm. he made it through the final roster, but he did get to hang out there. Um you know, I always think about those guys cuz they have exposure with the core. Um you know, I remember when I was out there before Team USA out in Las Vegas where they were doing training camp, you know, watching uh, Jalen and Jason go at it with with BAM after practice and you know Thad would get in there. And so you just wonder like what the relationships are and you know that that probably plays into it too, who they want to play with. Uh, I think Harrison Barnes is a guy they, they probably would want to play with and knowing that how much stress he can take off them and the little things he could do. So I just keep going back to him. But you know if they if they want to pay and get Aaron Gordon or, you know, Scal keeps saying Vucevic and, you know, I don't love the idea because I don't think he's that much of an upgrade defensively, but mm-hmm. does, you know, hit the glass, does obviously stretch the offense would be awesome, like really sort of add a, a potent three-point threat. And so uh, I just hope it's someone like that, like an impact player that we sit
0: here and go, oh, okay, Celtics are all in, not J.J. Redick. And now a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> not a J.J. fan, I see. Uh,
1: I mean, I, I, I am a J.J. fan. No, yeah. To three years ago, it's like the, the Kyle Korver syndrome. You know, like guys just hit a certain age, and 36 seems to be the point. I guess Kyle Korver was a little bit older. But um, at some point, that shot just goes. Like your legs just don't do the same thing. Like Reggie Miller fell off a cliff. Ray Allen fell off a cliff at around 36, 37. Uh, I just don't know. J.J. defensively isn't going to help. Like I can't imagine a Kemba J.J. backcourt lineup in crunch time. So it just limits what you can do.
2: Chris, have you forgiven Ray Allen? <laughs> What's up? Have you forgiven Ray Allen? Um you I know, have not. Yeah, no, so I, that's why I asked.
1: I am you know, and I'm like, I have no horse in this race. Like I'm I I mean I grew up a Celtics fan and and I didn't like I I I started covering the team a little bit during that big three era. Um but yeah, I could, I could, I guess I could always understand why the guys were upset, you know, like it's not it's one thing to just be like, you know what, I'm this is it, you know, Avery has passed me on the depth chart. You know, he, I lost my spot. I'm kind of mad. I want, I want to go do something else. But then to go, to the primary rival, you know, it's LeBron. Started,
2: I everybody yeah. hates LeBron. You don't go play with LeBron. And so, I hit my LeBron is a bit shirt right there. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it worked out for him. So
1: I can't, I can't begrudge him too much. He, he, he got what he wanted. But hit one of the biggest shots in like finals. Right, yeah, the aftermath, and was a big part of that. All that being said, uh, I actually had a chance to sit down with Ray. He came to ESPN uh, a couple years ago, right before his Hall of Fame induction. We actually were talking about the potential of him being inducted. When he got, I believe, a phone call and to tell him that he was in, and he, I was like, "Oh, what was that?" He was like, "Nothing, nothing." Uh, <laughs> him, him and his wife were, were you know, you could tell they were were excited about the, the, what what they they had heard on the other end. So, uh, love him as a person. I'm a big golf guy, so we always had some good talks about about golf and everything. I love his personality. I love the way he played, but like if if, if this if this 2008 Celtics want to be bitter about that,
0: I don't begrudge them. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned golf. Obviously, the whole bubble thing. You know, I, I'm a big golf. guy. terrible at it. Awful, awful yeah, at golf. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <I'm> no, no. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's just Sam. Sam is, I think, probably the biggest Celtics homer. And the biggest LeBron hater I've I've met in my entire life. We Ah. met through Twitter, and it's just – it's crazy the extent. It's – Sam, you
2: want to – Well, I mean, like, I'm definitely a homer. Like, I will – like, I I feel like this team can win a championship this year. Not saying that they will, but I think they have the potential just because I think both the Jays are playing out of their mind. And if they keep it up, they are, you know, championship-caliber players. But I mean, in terms of LeBron, I just I, I don't deny that he's a great player. I just think he's like he's got a terrible personality. I think he's a prick, man, and it it, it upsets me so much. I just don't like the whining, and I don't like the Tatum does it either. Every time I bring it up, I'm like Tatum's not off the hook with that either. I don't like whining, <laughs> but I think that's like the main thing. And I remember Tommy got into him one time like really good on the Celtics broadcast, like oh he's crying, like the kids crying. And I my favorite part about LeBron, anytime they play uh, oh, Lakers, when they put him on the jumbotron. They put him on the Jumbotron and he looks up, but like also my dad is in it with me. Like my dad is usually never into stuff like that, but he gets into, it. He he's like, look, he's crying. He's crying. So I love getting a little bit of rise out of my dad with that. Oh man.
1: So, um, I, uh, you know, I, I haven't been, I haven't been to the garden this year. We've just been in studio because of the craziness and it's just safer and it's just mm-hmm. easier for our broadcast, but. Uh, that did make me miss being a game just a little bit. The idea that when, Brad, when whenever LeBron would get that ticky-tack foul and I would look up at the Jumbotron and just wait for it because he was going to look up to plead his case, to suggest that he didn't foul. And, you know, oh, man, the, the crowd would go wild whenever he, he actually looked up and he's just looking right back at himself. Uh, I, I Actually, so I'll say this, like, I, not, I'm not a LeBron hater. Uh, LeBron, that game in the 2012 Eastern Conference, finals semifinals uh where he where he like went supernova in game 6 in Boston was the most amazing game i've ever seen by an individual player and that was the point where i was like okay uh i'm not going to hate him that much because he is just otherworldly talented and unbelievable uh and that was that was crazy and i i mean Celtics find had a chance there to actually go on and and compete for a title but um lebron just unlike when they made him
0: walk off and rip off that cleveland jersey man that year was insane mm. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, and you mentioned something earlier. I'm kind of circling back again a little bit uh, about all-star weekend when guys take a break. What do you think about that? NBA having an all-star game and they're, they're letting people travel throughout the U.S. You don't look thrilled, which is like, I, I don't get it. Like, so dumb, wanna- like, like Sam I don't even know you can't can you even leave Rhode Island
1: like I I li- I live like sort of uh in 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 uh out by Worcester and I can like I love going down to Rhode Island and going to Newport and stuff like that I can't, I haven't been to your your fine uh state in, since like July when they pretty much put up put up a border around it and said uh stop bringing covid into our our world so I don't love the idea of the NBA just being like yeah go gallivant around and as long as you're doing your daily testing you know, on one hand, I understand from a player's perspective, they've now been at it uh, if you include the bubble for the better right. part of seven months, eight months by that point, and you know, guys are probably need a little bit of a, of a mental break, And but the idea of bringing all your best players in the league to the same spot where I hope they better build a bubble around Atlanta and keep them safe, because if all these main stars then go back and are sick, uh, it, optically it doesn't look great. I get the idea of Like this is something that fans watch and uh, it's probably important to the league to have it. If I'm Jalen Brown and I make my first all-star game. I certainly want to go play in it. Um, Especially when it's going to be in his hometown, but that's tough. Like, you know, if I'm Brad Stevens, I don't love the idea. Here's the other thing. Every year there's an all-star game and the Celtics have someone involved. It goes poorly. Um, Like (laughs) Kyrie went and uh, pretty much decided he was going to leave in the hallway in Charlotte. Last year, Nick Nurse played Kemba for like 50 minutes in a 48-minute game and probably damaged his knee to the point where (laughs) that's not on Nick Nurse. But it wasn't great that Kemba played as many minutes as he did. And now you're going to send all your your Jason and Jalen into some crazy unknown COVID situation. So I don't love it.
0: Don't love it. Yeah. I I don't know, man. It just seems like, like you said, they're just sending people to go wherever they want. I saw a joke somewhere that said as soon as – James Harden saw I was in Atlanta. He's going to start playing amazing. But it's just, it's just like, they're not going to be going for it. It's just like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? You, you spent so long trying to fix everything. You obviously had all the issues with all the teams, you know, coming down with these health and safety protocols. You're going to come right back after the offseason break. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. And there's no, there's no way around it. I don't know. And obviously, Jalen Brown is from Atlanta, so he's going to want to play in it. He's going to want to go. That's tough. He saw De'Aaron Fox. I don't know if you saw like speak out against it. Good for night. him. And LeBron did it last yeah. night too. LeBron called it stupid, and like so
1: that's the thing. Like you know, we, we can hate LeBron. I do think he's pretty good when thrown into those situations, and doesn't necessarily always say the 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 PR uh, spin that the league would want to hear. So good for him for saying what most of us are thinking. This is stupid. Uh, don't do this. And yet they're going to power through with it.
0: No, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, uh, De'Aaron Fox. he's just like straight up. Yeah, you know. The money makes the world go round, so whatever, whatever works. But uh, with that, I know there's not anything else I wanted to ask except Sam. You have your questions that you always bring up, so Ooh, I'll, I'll just take right. the reins here.
2: All right. So uh, at the, every time we have a new guest on, Chris, I always ask like a nice series of uh, you know Celtics fan questions. Obviously, you did grow up a fan, so these will All fit right. for you. Bring it right. Once in a while, we get somebody like Max Letterman who is a who grew up a Sixers fan, so I have to I have to change it a little bit. But um, I, the first one I always ask, do you have a favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia you have, whether it's a jersey, sign thing, uh, like those posters you get at the games? I think those are cool. Ticket stub. Uh, literally anything. And what's the story behind it? So I'm like looking around. I'm in my, my basement right now, and I'm trying to think what I've
1: got. That, Great uh, background,
2: by the way. Great th- yeah, background. Thank you. you. No, you know, cool the, the, setup. Well, you can't see I that. honestly thought you were at the studio
1: no god <laughs> no. um i I have a bar in front of me i do have a i have like um uh, that we for the quarantine we built a, a, a even before we built a bar in our basement thinking oh, it'd be nice just because we used to be it used to be a kid's playroom now it's an adult playroom and um <laughs> th- but the problem is like you know it, it, uh it, i'm trying to think what i have i have a, so I, i'm what I'm looking at i have a Paul Pierce bobblehead yeah, yeah. that I have no idea where it came from um <laughs> I have Celtics water bottles. I have a couple books. I don't have a lot of Celtic stuff. I have a couple jerseys from like uh, mm-hmm. random promotional events they've done. Uh, I think I got like a, an old school Antoine Walker jersey, which is now you know breathe Headless. new life into it. I have more Patriots stuff that I I like. Like I have a snow globe from the uh, snow bowl game mm-hmm. um, that I was lucky enough to be at as a fan, and so that that's pretty good. I need to upgrade uh, my Celtics memorabilia. I think my buddy, uh, my buddy across town has a he met. Antoine at the Auburn mall. Uh, like our mall is in, is no great shakes and there's no reason a Celtics player should ever go there. But uh, I think he got that in like a fribble at friendlies. And, and so, uh, you know, that was, I, I need to get something on that
2: level. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that I do. Well, you know what? I, I, I will say this: my, my,
1: my, my favorite, uh, my, I, I changed it uh, for the first time in a while, but my old Twitter avatar was, me, a picture of me and Danny Ainge at a place called Spags in Worcester. I remember and, that. So my favorite part about the photo is there's a sign that it, it's cropped, but it says something like, there was they were something like a Danny Ainge basketball hoop or something, or maybe it was a, just a basketball, but it was like Danny Ainge basketball is 40% off. But the way the photo is cropped, it just says Danny Ainge 40% off. And so it looks like, you know, <laughs> whatever you were charging for autographs was just deep discounted. And that was the only reason that uh, I went in and said hello, but certainly uh, did not expect that. Let's see. I was probably like eight. You know, twenty years later, and whatever, twenty-four years later, I would I would be uh, covering the team that Danny Ainge runs. So uh, I showed him that picture and uh, said, uh, "Look, you were important back in the day." <laughs> he still That's is. Really That's Kind still. of. <laughs> he, still, <laughs> he, he gets mobbed everywhere. Like every, I, I, he, we, he walks into a Chipotle, man. People come flying out of the, everywhere. Back when we, we when we could eat a, eat at Chipotle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so my. My next thing is uh, do you have a favorite – I think I do moment first. Favorite moment like ever, Celtics moment besides a championship? It could be when you were covering the team, when you were a kid, whatever it is and like why.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was there the night Pierce went crazy against the Sixers in like – 2002 2003 i'd have to check the dates um uh, but me and my dad scalped tickets to a random game and the the story was we had started scalping we had, uh, uh you know again there wasn't like StubHub back in the day so i just started working for the boston globe i had a little money i was in college but like i had disposable income and so we started 2001 season we started going to every patriots game and no idea that like I, what, literally, our first game was the game Brady took over as starting quarterback against the Chargers, and we're like, "Oh, this is crazy!" So they, they, you know, he's really good, and they, they go to the Super Bowl. So we're like, "You know, we needed something after that season ended." We're like, "We needed we did need a new fix in 2002." So I think we we bought tickets outside the Garden for Celtics Sixers game. It was a five game series, so I think it was like game four or five, uh, and they absolutely throttled the Sixers. Uh, one by just like 40 points or something like that Pierce was up on the scores table at one point and um you know he was just lights out so that's my favorite like Celtic fan moment um back when I like cared about whether they won or lost and now I want them to be interesting selfishly from a from a uh work standpoint but uh I don't know if uh necessarily I don't I don't like the losses don't hurt as much as I they used to when uh when I was a little kid
2: for sure. That's so weird. What's what's that transition like? What what do you think the moment was where like it really kind of flipped for you, I, where like it didn't the emotions weren't in it anymore?
1: Honestly, I think it's just you selfishly find yourself rooting for storylines because like you want some you want something to write about. You know that that's interesting, or maybe I'm you know if I'm if I know I'm writing about someone like secretly I'm probably like yeah I hope they have a good game because you know I just I just wrote about how good they are. You know, so that's more your motivation. I think you just. Sort of flip us a little bit of a switch in terms of like it's a job now, and um, you know I don't always want to watch basketball on on an off night. I want to watch some <laughs> stupid television show and not watch you know the, the the West Coast game, but you know you do because you, you want to you know, make sure you're keeping up on stuff. But uh, yeah, you just sort of you just got to it's easier than you'd think once it becomes a, a little bit uh, uh, of a of a more of a job than a than a, than a fandom
0: like it's a whole different kind of interest. But like in a good way, in a good way. Yeah.
2: yeah. Jack and I are kind of in it like you know we do this, we write. We we don't get paid, but um you know, yeah, We're still emotionally invested. I guess that is our pay, the emotional investment. And then you get paid and it might <laughs> might change a bit. But all right, so the next question is, you know, you get to cover the team. So do you have a favorite moment you've actually well, I mean, I guess you were at the garden for the Pierce moment. But like when you're covering the team, do you what's the most incredible thing you've got to be there for?
1: Oh, so this one, this one's easy. So uh, 2008, I was working at the Boston Globe, but I was covering high school sports. And then, you know, I just started probably knowing that, but where my career was going, I I just started going to more different sporting events. Like I I was like, can I go to the Patriots this weekend? And honestly, it was just like, I'd hold up a camera and record our calmness after a game or whatever. Um, And, but somehow I got on the, 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 the 2008 season, I think I was there for the, First couple rounds, I traveled for the finals out to L.A., and that was one of my first real road trips as a, as a writer. And then to be at the Garden for um, that game against, you know, game six of the 2008 finals, and I'll never forget, we were on the floor, and I managed to literally just get into the locker room afterwards somehow, even though I didn't have, like, the right credential to be there. And, like, no one should have let me in. Uh, but to be in a, in a championship locker room when they're spraying champagne and just like the, the the pure bliss you know again same deal like I like was I excited that the Celtics won of course like that's good for business and uh, but like you know you're looking around and I just never thought I would be in a NBA championship locker room and so like as much as I'm trying to just document the experience I had a little like handy cam that we were, we were like we were so far ahead of our time like we, we were putting up videos and no one was watching videos on the internet in 2008 but um it, it was just it was just really cool to be a part of and then uh, I reeked of alcohol, and uh, I had to drive home to Worcester. So it was an hour drive home, and I said, if I get pulled over, like, what the hell am I going to tell the cops? <laughs> they're they're going to be like, you, uh, you reek of alcohol. and uh, so You're just going to be like, up.
2: listen, man, the Celtics just won. What do you want from me? <laughs> Banner 17 is going up in the fall. Like, I, uh, give me a break. You should be ecstatic. You're a cop. Most cops are into sports. you got to understand. <laughs> I would hope so. connection
0: there. I mean, but, I go to Worcester State. I can't imagine it's a great place to get pulled over. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, not great. Not, not great for sure.
2: So so being in the media, you know, you get to be in press scrums at some point of your career. You were a writer at ESPN, things like that. You ever get starstruck? And if if yes, then who? And if not, then who is the best person to talk to?
1: Oh, let's see. Um... I don't really get starstruck with basketball players anymore. Um, like I think you just you just understand. Like you know you, just, you see them so often. Like mm-hmm. probably the first time I saw LeBron was probably like, "Whoa, wow, it's LeBron!" Like you know, there's probably there's definitely a moment there. Um, it's more so when when we did the Cantor podcast. Like his phone book of celebrities was just like overwhelming. In terms of, (laughs) he literally had every single celebrity you would ever want to talk to. He's like, which Wahlberg do you want to call? And I was like, which? Like, you have both? Like, you know, they don't even float in the same circles, but okay, let's call Donnie and tomorrow we'll call Mark. Um, And so I think that was more like, we called Ben Stiller one day and just as someone who grew up on stupid Ben Stiller films, like I was, I was like totally nervous for that. And so it's just because I don't know those people as well. Like I, I can't, you know, NBA players you could probably come up with a uh, something interesting to talk about. Like you know, I had to go on IMDB to make sure I, I was referencing the right things with, with Ben Stiller, but I mean to be fair, like they were all super cool and it's a reminder that, you know, most people are normal and
2: uh, you know, gracious with their time and that was awesome. That's crazy. That is crazy. Kanter's not even like a superstar either. Yeah, yeah. Imagine like <laughs> I wonder what Tatum's phone is like. I'm, that's the thing, you know. Well, but here's the thing: like
1: Cantor is such a uh, like a schmoozer, and like
2: that's true. When he played for the yeah, Knicks, like cool dude.
1: all those all those celebrities would be in the front row, and while well, most people would just ignore him, he was up there dapping them up and getting to know them. And so, uh, but like I grew up a, a huge wrestling fan, and he knew like the Undertaker, and he knew all like Paul Heyman and all these people. And I'm just like that, that's incredible to me that you just float in these circles. Correct. Former champion, Ennis
2: Cantor. Yes, yeah, for 20, like uh, 10 word, seconds. For, yeah, beat our truth,
1: right? You know,
2: Very
0: quickly. <laughs> uh,
2: all right, Jack, I think you're up.
0: Yes, yes. So you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you know, got the Robert Williams here, got all the jerseys around me. I, I think you touched upon an Antoine Walker one, but do you have a favorite jersey? And, you know, since you, you did grow up a Celtics fan, I assume they're all Celtics, but do you got a favorite one you got? Uh, my favorite Jersey that I, I it's funny, I have a pile of them and every time we've moved or, uh,
1: you know, even just moving out of my childhood home at first, uh, I've, I still have them and it's the most hilarious collection of discount jerseys you will ever see. My favorite is I was big Michael Jordan guy growing up. That's why I love the last dance and all that. But I had a 45 Jordan Jersey, which I cherish because (laughs) I mean, he wore it for like three weeks. It's just mm-hmm. absurd that anyone would even, you know, rush out to buy it. It wasn't like it was an official jersey, so I don't even know where I got it. Maybe like on the discount rack at TJ Maxx after it got deep discounted. Uh, I think I had like, you know, so that that most of them are probably like the the TJ Maxx special. I think I have Deshaun Stevenson, uh, you know, like <laughs> jazz jersey. Uh, my buddy worked for the Sixers for a while, and he has these. Uh, so I think I got like an Elton Brand. Um, I mean, there's just some really bad hodgepodge of jerseys. I don't have a lot of Celtics jerseys. I did definitely have that Antoine Walker shirt. Um, and I got a Tatum one at an event when he was a rookie. And, you know, now that, you know, at the time I probably didn't know how valuable that would be, but I gave it to my little nephew. Um, although I had the, I had this conundrum, like, so my, I have a nephew who's eight and, uh, he wanted a Celtics jersey for Christmas. And we, we, we really lamented, like, who do we get him, You know, because... (laughs) Like we get him something. This was Kyrie, I think, era. So I said, "Well, we can't buy him Kyrie. I don't think he's long for Boston, no matter what he says." And huh. you know, they can't. Didn't want to go back too far, or you know, so what I, we, we settled on. We got him a Larry Bird shirt sure, because I just said, like, no matter can't what, you can, yeah, you can wear this anytime, any place. You know, you're not going to look outdated. Uh, but that's the, that's the trouble, like finding the jersey that's going to stand the test of time. Like I love that you have a Robert Williams jersey, but you might have some ex- <laughs> you are going to have some explaining to do in five years when like you know if someone says like Why'd you buy this?" So oh uh, yeah, just, just get ready.
0: No, I mean I got I got Baines, Horford, Marcus Morris, Kyrie. I got it all. So is it yeah, does it
1: say Morris Senior?
0: I don't. Know. I think it does. I think it does that's say correct. Morris Senior. Okay. Well, then I, is, I respect that. I like. I mean, you you know, this is the third too. So
1: well, that's the, is, and that's the other thing. So like you know. Do you have Rozier? I do. Rozier the do. third, or just Rozier? I think it might say the third. <laughs> okay, impressive.
2: There was a time where he didn't have the third on. Under- yeah, right.
1: So, I mean, that, it would be fair. But like, does that? So would that be enough
0: for you to have to go buy the, a new jersey? Well, I got one in the mail. I got Shemi Ojale, and it said Otale. They just like typed it wrong. <laughs> so I, I, I had to get a new one in that sense. <laughs> but
1: opposite, I would own it. I would wear the. Mixed I spell. still have
0: it. I still have it. I still have well. it.
2: Jack, if you wore that and you post it on Twitter, I bet it would like people would love that.
0: And yeah, I just people, don't reference it; they would go nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I I
1: for me.
2: I, I post that, and I will like because I will, I will definitely, uh, I will show that some love.
0: I will, I will. You know, that, that I
2: remember is- I ordered an Isaiah Thomas jersey from China, like like you do, and yeah, literally yeah. it came in, and I believe on the front, no, 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 on the back it looked fine. Like the 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 green was a little dark. It was a home jersey, like the the name and lettering was a little dark. On the front, Celtics is a whole different green. And then the four <laughs> is like the size of my hand rather than like a full size number. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was so bummed because I love Isaiah. And I was like, I finally am going to get a jersey for him. And dude, like, who made this? A five year old? Yeah, that's,
1: un- that's unfortunate. There's a, uh, there, there,
2: there's floating around the graphs. There's, there's an
1: Adidas neon green. Celtics, it's like black with the neon trim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I want that for an alternate at some point. It's. I think it's a Pierce jersey, uh, but they're 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 nice. But yeah, I have no idea where that came from either. It's definitely not an, like an official Adidas product.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, Do you like the alternates
2: this year, Chris?
1: Uh, none of the recent ones, no. Uh, no. Parquet. Par- I mean, if 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 either of you bought the Parquet Pride, uh, no, uh, those are bad. Uh, uh, if you have any gray jersey, is bad. I have bad.
0: that. I have one of those. I actually have one of the the Parquet gray ones. It's Al Horford. It's oh, it's not great looking.
1: I'm sorry. I mean, I hope you, I hope you got that on a discount too. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't like the banners. I don't like. Uh, unfortunately, I like, and I say this every time because invariably someone like there's really nice people in the organization whose hands are tied in terms of what they can do and how like outlandish they can get with these jerseys. I hope every time I see like San Antonio's multicolored ones or like with a little splash of of of, of those colors or anything Miami has put out, I get so jealous.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's great. I mean, f- funny enough, you know, I, I get, I told you, I get one of every player, right? And so my Poirier one from last year is the gold <laughs> trim one. <laughs> so it's just a combination of both Vincent Poirier and the gold jersey, which is, well, I,
1: I, I don't even know if Vincent <laughs> Poirier's family bought a jersey. So that is, that is impressive <laughs> that you've, uh.
0: And then you, my Javante one, the letters are just very thick Boston <laughs> letters. So That O
1: is about to fall off.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's. You know, it works, though. It says, it says Javante on the back. It says 43, so it's – That
2: right. it's, well, <laughs> it kills me because the back looks fine. Then you turn it around. Yeah. Is, it's brutal. Uh, Impressive. Great... I, I, I applaud your dedication. Thank you. Thank you. I still got to
0: get the four from this year, including one of the banner ones because I like to have one of every jersey they have. But Sam always yells at me because I just love the NBA, personally. And he, he's a big Celtics guy. I'm a big NBA guy. So I have a bunch of other jerseys. Like, I have a jersey from every team. So he you yells at me. have a Kuzma jersey. Okay, okay. Why do you have a Kuzma jersey? All right. All right. All right. This was when Kuzma, like, I got it, in the mid, like, Christmas of his rookie year. Because I was like, okay, Kuzma seems pretty cool. And it was like, it was just a meme at the time, right? Kyle Kuzma playing well. So, and now I get clowned on, which, fair enough. I have a Kuzma jersey. <laughs> so I, I deserve to be clowned on. But no, I, I have at least one from every team. And he always yells at me that I don't only have Celtics jerseys. So. It's
1: what is your company. what is your what is your favorite jersey overall of, of non Celtics? Oh
0: God, I I have the Vince Carter purple stripes okay. Raptors classic. It's it's probably got to be that one, but I mean, other than that, and that's also the first jersey I got when I was collecting them. So it's it's got to be that one. Okay, but, that's uh, I respect that. I respect yeah. that decision. Yeah, the one he gets on me the most about is having an B jersey. But he he likes no, it. I don't. I like Embiid. I don't think I gave you
2: shit for that. Yeah,
0: I think you gave me shit because I trashed on Embiid once, and then you said, "Well, uh, you have a so." Yeah, maybe I did that. So, but uh, but
2: Embiid's yeah, I mean,
0: step, I mean, with that, uh, Sam, unless there's something else you wanted to bring up, I think that covers all the questions. No,
2: no we we can we can let you go, Chris. You don't gotta yeah, so, hang out with us all day. Oh my gosh! Game to get ready for. Uh, that's okay.
1: You. you know that. Uh, uh like I said. Uh, when, when Jack came flying in from the clouds about my uh, little t- joke about Carson Edwards' uh, Twitter mishap, uh, I felt good that someone out there got it. Because if, like, if if that joke had just fallen flat and got no reaction, I would have really like, I would have been my my, it it would have been like having a forty point game and just being like, oh wait, that didn't count. So um, that was appreciated. If you all ever need anybody to to come, I mean, now I'm just in awe of the of the jersey collection. So I will uh, shout anytime
0: thank you, thank you. Right. I also I also love the sexy dishes I, that was you too right you said that I remember and, and you said I I think I tweeted at you it was like you know don could uh sponsor the sexy dishes yes and these, dishes. Yeah. 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 that was another another great line so
1: I'm glad be, do
2: I do could
0: Glad I could reel you in with that one. I appreciate it. I've
1: gone cold since. I've had no, nothing funny to offer, but ice um, cold. <laughs> I will try to get. I'll try to get back on track tonight.
0: For sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, thanks again to Chris for joining us on the show. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore. But if you're listening to this podcast and not already following Chris, and you got your priorities <laughs> all mixed, I up. don't know, man. Like if you're not, like then you guys are doing something right. Let me know. <laughs> well, we, we will. You guys can follow us at Vantertown USA. Uh, I'm Jack Simone NBA and Sam. Go ahead and wrap us up.
2: Yeah, once again, big thanks to Chris for coming on. It was a lot of fun to talk with you about Celtics. Obviously, love NBC Sports Boston. There's no other place to watch Celtics game. National games suck, big time. I know you used to work for ESPN. It's okay. But, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, follow Jack at NBA. Give Chris a follow if you don't already. And you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye.